0: Freedom Hut. Eight days to go, friends. Democrats want to ruin your Thanksgiving. ACB getting through on the Supreme Court. 60 Minutes is fake news. And a Jews for Trump rally
1: attacked in NYC. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence.
2: Russian. One
1: thing. Make no mistake. America.
2: you're your great American.
1: America. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the
2: NYPD. He's a great guy.
1: It is Buck Sexton. Now.
0: Welcome, everybody. We are in the final countdown. Oh, yes, indeed. Election Day. Just days away. Almost one week. Almost the final week of this. I've got to say, the very end here has, has been moving quickly. The opening phases of this felt like an eternity. And... Really, I just I just hope that we have a good outcome. But let's get into what what matters right now and and the center of the debate over all this stuff. Now, I know last week there was a ton of time spent on Hunter Biden's laptop and also the prep for the debates. How many of you even remember much of the debates? I can tell you, I have to think pretty hard. I can pull some aspects of it. uh, Pennsylvania fracking vulnerability that Biden now has. There are some areas uh, for sure that. I think the president scored some points, but as we know, look at the polls didn't really move the needle very much. And we're now in these last days where I think everyone's starting to focus in on a couple of things and hopefully they get it. The economy and covid, that's it. In my opinion, that's what's going to determine this race. It's amazing that that immigration is barely even discussed at all. It's barely even an issue. Uh, Health care ties into covid and the economy. Uh, but if you look at other major areas of decision point here, uh, if you look at other places where people are still deciding the fact that the president hasn't started any new wars, the fact that the president has gotten these peace deals in the Middle East, that's not going to be the final the, uh, the the final straw that either gets him for four more years or is the reason Joe Biden is victorious, which I even saying it out loud, it makes me kind of sad. But I think the covid is the most important narrative in the country right now for politics and this election. And I, I don't think that I'm alone on this one, but I do believe that there needs to be a much bigger, a much bigger focus on what ha, what is reality and what is just a lie. The United States is about to go into another series of it already has some lockdowns in places, but it's, it's going to go into another round of restrictions, lockdowns, whatever you want to call it, to try to stop a virus that plainly these restrictions cannot stop. It did not work the first time around. It just ripped through areas until the virus was done. That's what happened in New York in New Jersey. That's what happened in the South. It's happened in a lot of places across the country. But we forget all those lessons or we're forced to forget all of those lessons. And uh, I think a part of that is just the media Recognizes that by making us all depressed and terrified and frightened, uh, we're likelier to vote for change. It's more, uh, it's a greater possibility that Donald Trump will not get four more years if the American people feel like the country is in really bad shape and terrible things are happening because of COVID. I mean, this is all pretty obvious. You get this, but you're starting to see just how far the left is willing to push us. And also there is a an increasingly obvious, I, I would say, joy, maybe certainly desire to continue these restrictions uh, in Democrat states. They like all this control. They like this forced collective action. This is exactly what you're seeing now around covid is exactly what the Democrats want for the war on climate change, for the war on. Fossil fuels for the war on gun violence right? all these things. They want collective action in it that is inescapable. That is forced by the state on you, even if you don't want it. And that is able to dictate even the smallest, most minute aspects of your life. This is really a dream come true. The power that they have in these lockdowns is a dream come true for Democrats. They haven't had anything like this in a very long time. During the global war on terror, which was the last period when the country felt like it was <clears throat> frightened and perhaps more willing to, to give up its civil liberties than it should have during that period of time, Democrats were I won't I mean, I could take a shot here and say they're on the side of the terrorists, but that's not really fair. Yeah, but Democrats were always opposing the more severe measures to uh, fight the jihadists and Al Qaeda and all of that. They, they were the dissenting voice not because I think they have a problem with that. As we know, when Barack Obama was the president, he was the, uh, the guy using the drones more than anybody else and just deciding who would live and who would die on the battlefield as an executive order. Uh, but the Democrats now are in the position where they have put themselves as the arbiters of everything you can and can't do in day-to-day life. And they really like this. They enjoy this. And that and that your your virtue, your worth as a human being now is measured socially and by those around you, by your willingness to obey these dictates. This is a massive change. This is a big problem. This is not something that is just going to fade out on its own. We're going to have to fight against this. And if you want to know how absurd, how insane it's going to get california why is it the most democrat most blue place most blue state in the country has the craziest covid restrictions oh not a surprise at all right we all recognize that that's what we would have we would have expected um but the new thanksgiving rules i know we're about to go into uh, halloween here but thanksgiving will be soon thereafter the new thanksgiving rules that have been explained Uh, by Gavin Gavin Newsom out in California should show you a glimpse into our future if we get a Biden administration and you will add the insanity at the state level around COVID to insanity at the federal level. They're they're telling you very openly that these are the plans that they have. Right. I mean, here's Dr. Fauci himself saying we want a federal national mask mandate. Play five.
2: Well, you know, one of the issues that people that talk about mandating not be a good idea because then they'll say they have to enforce it and there's going to be a difficulty enforcing it. But if everyone agrees that this is something that's important and they mandate it and everybody pulls together and say, you know, we're going to mandate it, but let's just do it. I think that would be a great idea to have everybody do it uniformly. One of the issues, though, you I I get the argument, say, well, if you mandate a mask, then you're going to have to enforce it. And that'll create more of a problem. Well, if people are not wearing masks, then maybe we should be mandating it.
0: Do you hear that little little hint of authoritarian glee in his voice there? Dr. Fauci, this guy has been a public health bureaucrat for decades. Pretty much self-paced, self-assessed work, you know. Just show up. Can't really get fired. Just do your thing. Just be around forever. I mean, this guy's almost 80, right? And he's been in the job for decades. And now he's like, yeah, I think we should mandate. Does he know what a mandate means? It means that police officers are going to walk up to people. What outside? No. Oh, oh, yes. Outside. We're not sure. Probably going to be outside when inside doesn't work, meaning it doesn't stop the virus because it won't. Then what will they do? Oh, well, you're not wearing masks enough. You got to do it outside, too. You're going to have police tell people put on a mask or what? Or we're going to physically remove you. We're going to arrest you. We're going to lay hands on you. They realize that they're going to be telling 99% of the people that that they tell the to wear a mask are healthy, pose no risk to anyone. See, this this is the is the inversion of judgment and logic and decency that has occurred in this country. Now, it used to be health policy was about. Yes, assisting, but also separating the sick from the healthy when possible. What we've done is separated everybody now. This is just nuclear option. And this was considered madness in the public health community until this year. This wasn't some new idea. They studied pandemics. They studied the chance of the massive exponential spread of an aerosolized virus like COVID-19. They said, "We, we can't do these lockdowns. Now they can't get enough lockdowns. And here's Dr. Fauci, who this guy's been elected to nothing. I mean, I, if Trump wins, you know what he should do? He should fire Fauci the next day out, gone. Bring me somebody who understands the balance between liberty and public health and order. Bring me somebody that understands that there are costs here. Just over the weekend, I saw an edit uh, a piece in Canada in, in Ontario in the Ontario Star talking about how doctors there are sounding the alarm for all of these cancers that are showing up now that are late stage that should have been caught earlier, but people weren't going in for cancer screenings. Now people are going to die. Yeah, that's right. Now, you could say, oh, Buck, we needed to do that to save lives from covid. Not clear at all that the lockdowns actually save any lives. Remember the initial premise? It was. Uh 15 days to flatten the curve. That just meant spread out. Instead of getting, let's say, giving this easy numbers, instead of having a hundred cases in 10 days and not being able to get people the health care they need, you have a hundred cases over 20 days or 30 days, right? That's what flatten the curve is. We have transitioned as a society because of the media's anti-Trump insanity, and because Democrats and the left are a bunch of busybodies who want to tell everybody what to do all the time and believe in the the mob mind ruling over society, that you don't have individual rights, that your freedom is all just at the whim of the state and they want to control the state. But we've now switched to a to a world in which we're supposed to just kill this virus off entirely by doing everything they say. This is madness. But how bad is it? How bad is it? Well, here's an example. Um, Other than Fauci saying mandate, which means. People should get arrested now for not healthy people. Let's let's really explicitly get into this healthy people in this country should be under federal mandate and be threatened with loss of property and imprisonment for not putting a paper or or cloth mask over their mouth, even with the very real outstanding questions about how effective is this really? Could you mandate everybody have to wear goggles? Why not? Why not? Just on the on the say so of the state. Do they know they don't know how how easily it gets transmitted to your eyes? They know that the eyes are a a, an area of transmission for uh, for viruses in general, but they don't know. You're also seeing a lot of people that I that I know who have who are sound thinkers on this issue understand there are great doctors. There are crap doctors. There are things that doctors know about health and can really help you with. There are things that are, you know, way beyond their ability. Any any of you go into a doctor and say, you know, I have back pain or I have IBS and see what they say to you. Uh, They don't have some fix in mind, right? They have ideas and modalities and they might be able to help some again. Good doctors. Yes. But a lot of doctors will be like, yeah, I don't know, you know, take a pill or see what happens or, you know, cut these 20 things out of your diet. There's all kinds of things they don't really understand. And when you've been exposed to that enough, you realize that. You've got to take control of your own health. You've got to take control of your own risk. How insane, though, have the libs, how brainwashed have the libs gotten during this COVID period? What do you think your Thanksgiving should look like this year? Well, let me stop for a moment and tell you about what the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, and I'm sure soon you're going to hear this from other governors as well, like Cuomo in New York. What does the Democrat governor of California think your Thanksgiving should look like?
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: Thanksgiving is one of the best holidays. A lot of food, family, friends gathering together. It's a good holiday. I like Thanksgiving a lot. Top three for sure. Okay, maybe top four. But not in California if you're going to listen to the people that are now using the power of the state to make healthy people obey Because of the fears of people who read too much New York Times, watch too much CNN and can't just go about their lives as adults who understand there are risks and they should take their own, make their own decisions, their own mitigation measures. You see, by holding us all in this forced state of panic, the people that are unwilling to make sound decisions about their own health force all of the rest of us to be in a position where. We have to act like we agree with them and their way is the only way. That's bad news. And here's a great example of it. Uh, There are new. California Department of Public Health guidelines. Just wait and they'll start finding people and they'll they'll demand you do this guidelines for COVID-19. And, you know, for example, they're telling people that for Thanksgiving, no more than three households allowed to gather. And you masks must stay on uh, after eating and drinking and preferably done in between bites. Yeah, that's right. Singing or shouting strongly discouraged. Keep a social distance. Maintain high, uh, hand hygiene. Limit the gathering to uh, two hours or less. I mean, I really want to tell all of these lockdown libs, I I want to use only four letter words in my feelings about how one, how how it they are, how nonsensical all of this is. Uh, and, And I'm not saying that there's not a risk of COVID. Yeah. If someone in your family gets COVID, there is there is definitely a risk. But there's a lot of risks from a lot of things. And putting these restrictions in place from the government doesn't really help anybody. And it makes things, in many ways, a lot worse. The number of people who are scared beyond rational, uh, beyond rational bounds here is enormous in this country because the media has made everybody terrified. Because this is their only chance, don't you see? This is how they have Joe Biden beating Donald Trump. This is the only way. Joe Biden's a loser. Joe Biden's not impressive. Not very bright. Not very good at anything. He's just kind of a pathetic Democrat machine uh, politician who is just hoping that he gets just like he got real lucky by being picked by Obama to be VP. He's hoping to get real lucky right now and be president of the United States. The only reason is because of covid. Without covid, Donald Trump sails to reelection. We all know it. So digging in on this issue and letting everybody understand what's really at stake here is absolutely essential. I know there are going to be other shows and we'll do. A, I'll do a little bit of an update on the Hunter Biden stuff today. Fine. But this matters more. I'm telling you, and people get mad at me when I say this, the Hunter Biden emails are not going to cost Biden the election. If I'm wrong, you know, I'll eat crow. But the Hunter Biden emails are not going to do it. Who do the American people think will bring us out of this covid nightmare faster and better? That's all that matters for the election. That's it. And of course, that means the economy and it means our freedoms and it means a lot of things. But That is the choice that people are faced with right now. And I think that we've lost a little bit of time in in making the case. Here's a here's an essential point. Biden's plan for dealing with covid is rooted in magical thinking. That's completely illogical. That 200000 deaths are, are on Donald Trump's shoulders. What about what's going on in France and Italy and Germany and the rest of the world? where they've in many cases had more per capita deaths than we've had. Is Trump responsible for all of those, too? There was never a plan to stop this virus. It's not possible to stop this virus. And yet that's what Biden is offering to people. This is this is completely false hope. Right. The real way is to stop terrifying everybody. Let people start to go back to normal life or at lower risk. And build up her immunity over time, and get some vaccines out there, and just go back to living. That's the choice. Do you want Biden dictating what you can do, whether you can leave your house, or do you want to have your life back? That's what this election's about.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We're at a dangerous tipping point right now. We're entering what's going to be the steep slope of the curve, of the epidemic curve. We know what that looks like from the spring. We know what it looks like from the summer. These cases are going to continue to build. There's really no backstop here. I don't see forceful policy intervention happening anytime soon. Um, We have a moment of opportunity right now to take some forceful steps to try to abate the spread that's underway. But if we don't do that, if we miss this window, this is gonna continue to accelerate and it's gonna be more difficult to get under control. Now, in, in a lot of parts of the country, it doesn't feel really, really bad right now because it's a little bad everywhere. Um, we don't have regions where it's extremely dense in any one region like we did when it was epidemic in New York or epidemic in the South, outside of states like Wisconsin or Iowa. Most states just have a lot of spread, but most states aren't at the point where they're extremely pressed right now. That's gonna change over the next two to three weeks. I think things are gonna look much more difficult. And so we need to take some steps right now. There is no public support for shutdowns uh, right. nationally like we did in the spring. That's not gonna happen. So we need to reach for other measures.
0: Yeah. Gottlieb, that's Scott Gottlieb. There, one of the worst after Fauci. Well, what are we supposed to do? What are okay? So no lockdowns. You know what they do now? They demand all the uh, all the restrictions of a lockdown, but they say well, we're not locking down. You know, or, or or they give you you know four out of five of the things you need for a lockdown, but then they because there's one thing you don't have mandatory stay at home orders, for example. They say that's not a lockdown. No, we're, we're still. Under lockdown, there are, you know, they open New York City for 25 percent dining. And I can tell you, I tried to find a place to eat. It's a joke. Restaurants aren't open. So so what is that? That's just a talking point. You see, without restaurants being able to open, they can't actually be serving customers, meaning unless they're actually going to have people sitting in chairs, turning tables, doing what they need to do to make this a business. They're just not opening. But the people in charge are frauds. People like Cuomo and de Blasio and Gavin Newsom and Gretchen Whitmer and all these Democrats in Congress who are acting like they 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 demand the lockdowns. And then they blame Trump for the economic uh, fallout from the lockdowns that they demand and then pretend that they have an idea that's not lockdowns to make all this better. What is the Biden plan for covid? Anyone who says listen to the scientist should punch himself in the face. What does that even mean? We've been listening to scientists all along. Hasn't done anything, folks. Curve goes up, curve goes down, curve goes up, curve goes down. Oh, yeah. If we only had everybody just holding hands, actually not holding hands, that's bad, right? But, but if, you, if we had everybody in agreement, we would all just wear the same dirty cloth mask that's porous and that air goes above and below the actual mask itself as well as gets blown through it. If we all just did that, it would all go away. Really? Yeah. How's that? Uh, how's that Danish study that was that was with the actual scientific controls necessary to get a real answer? Oh, the study they buried the study they buried. Right. I wonder why. Yeah. How's all the other stuff that you could find on the CDC website about the helpfulness of mask wearing in influenza season? Or the likelihood of a mask protecting you if you walk into a room and you don't have immunity to measles. If you wear a cotton mask, you know how effective that's going to be for you? ineffective. Okay? That's what the actual studies say. But 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 the measles goes through the cloth and it stops it. Yeah, sure. Sure it does. (sighs) But here we are. Gottlieb and others are now saying, Oh, if only you listen to us more, everything would be better. Okay. What do you want us to do? Not lockdowns, just a lot of stuff that sounds like a lockdown. Shut down businesses, limit. non-essential travel, whatever that means, put curfews in place. The uh, mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, has actually come out and said that she wants a 10 p.m. curfew to apply to Chicagoans' homes Play 20. How will non-essential businesses closing at 10 p.m., how will that help get the numbers down?
4: Well, uh, this is all about mitigating the risk of, of gatherings and making sure that people wear their masks. So we're trying to do... A series of mitigation efforts um, to look at the places where we know that the risk is highest, for example, in bars um, and mitigate against that risk. But the other thing that we were trying to also do, and it's difficult to break through, is people are getting comfortable in their homes and are having social gatherings. Those are a huge source of the spread. So it's not just what you do outside of your home, it's also what you do inside your home and making sure uh, that you don't invite people in that are not part of your immediate family or otherwise essential to be there, like a home care worker um, or something along those lines. That's where we're really seeing the spread. The case investigations, the contract tracing is pointing to home social settings as the primary area of risk, yeah.
0: Who can go to your home now? That's that's the business of the state. You know who you socialize with, as we know from the news and restrictions, how long you have family members over. After two hours, you got to send everybody home. Is there any science for that? We have reached a level of stupidity here that we really need to confront head on. Do you know how much it would how much it would help the country? How many billions of dollars we would save? How many people would Uh, would live an extra 10 or 15 years if, uh, oh, if we just banned refined sugar? A lot. Oh, uh, by the way, anyone who knows anything about diet and obesity and what's happened in this country, uh, you would save thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. If you treated sugar like it was a, you know, Schedule 1 controlled substance, right, you can't, sorry, no no more sugar added into anything. You'd save a lot of you'd stop type two diabetes. You'd stop obesity. Well, not all of it, but a, a huge piece of it. Why don't we do that? Because it's not the business of the state, because a lot of people can have sugar and they're fine. Most people have sugar and they're fine. So we don't restrict everybody else from being able to have a, a food product. They want to restrict you from having a life. They want to restrict you. And it's not like for a week or two. That's how they got us. They, they let they made us concede our rights for two weeks okay we'll be reasonable two weeks we can all do two weeks now it's eight months right with a little bit of ups and downs in terms of the severity of the restrictions during that period now it's, it's going on eight nine months and they're saying masks and social distancing for all of next year too that's the democrat way do you think they'll ever admit that this was all completely ineffective and just made everybody miserable and ruined everybody's year and ruined everybody's businesses and did all these things and they're just a bunch of morons who panicked and didn't want to be blamed. So they just kept on adding more and more of these little petty restrictions on our lives. Do you think the people that think that telling folks to mask up in between bites of food are, are intelligent enough to understand that their policies are failing and that this means nothing? And all they're doing is making everything work. Kind of like BLM made everything worse for everyone. These covid restrictions are just making everything worse. Oh, I'm sorry. It's. It's stopping the disease from spreading. Really, is it stopping the disease from spreading? We had 70,000, I'm sorry, 80,000 cases in one day over the weekend. Europe uh, has countries that have per capita even more. I think Spain right now is at 50,000 or maybe it's France, 50,000 cases a day. And those are those countries are much smaller than the U.S., you know, four or five times smaller in the case of um, of Spain. So what exactly are we doing here? What's being accomplished by all this? Oh, everyone's so scared. Everyone's so, they, they terrified everybody. They didn't admit they were wrong. And now they continue to use that fear to push bad ideas and bad solutions. And so Democrats can walk around like, oh, we would have handled this just great. Even Hillary Clinton, who as Secretary of State could not point to anything that she did That was worthwhile other than fly a lot at taxpayer expense on a big fancy plane that she's good at. But here she is saying that, you know, she would have she would have made this whole thing no problem at all. I mean, the the Monday morning quarterbacking on covid that you're getting from people who don't even understand how to play football in this analogy is mind blowing. Here's Hillary. Play six. And you noted that
5: a lot of countries that did best in the pandemic were led by women, whether it was Jacinda Ardern, Angela Merkel Do you think a woman president in the United States would handle the pandemic better? I have no doubt, especially if it were me. (laughs) No, I mean, I was born for that. I mean, that's why I knew I'd be a good president. I was ready for crises and emergencies, and I would have done what you see these women leaders doing. You listen to the science. You bring in people in an open, inclusive way. You communicate constantly. You make the case by explaining why what you're doing is in the long-term interest, not only of health, but also of the economy. Yeah, I have no doubt in my mind at all that I would have stepped up to that crisis.
0: So women are better at dealing with COVID-19 as a crisis than men, is Hillary Clinton's line here? Oh, and she's a woman and Trump's not, so clearly she would have done better. (laughs) Friends, It's, uh, it's it's just crazy times right now. There's no, there's no accountability for these statements. When people say things like "200,000 Americans are dead because of Trump," no one ever stops them. In the media and says, "Okay, how many would it be dead with Hillary Clinton?" Oh, zero. Does anybody believe that? Fifty thousand, 100,000, 150,000. It's a virus, friends. It's a virus that spreads. We have not been able to stop it, and they will not tell you the truth about the ineffectiveness of the measures they've already instituted. And how much this has led to an increase in all the things that we said all along, undiagnosed cancers, uh, people dying from uh, from diseases of despair. Now, the increases in alcoholism, you know, I'm just starting to see in the New York Times. They're adding they're adding some coverage now of how those of us who said, like me, back in August, schools are safe. Children should be able to go back to school. There is a completely acceptable level of risk, which is almost no risk. To K through 12 children from COVID 19. The data 100% proves that. But do you think all the people that were like, oh my gosh, you're going to murder all the teachers and the teachers' unions and we wear our masks and all this stuff? Do you think any of them said, wow, we were in hysterics for no reason? That was really absurd. No, nah. no apologies. None. Do you think that they're sorry for the fact that now, especially low income kids, are falling even further behind remember it's not even just in their test scores or anything like that in their overall development kids need to be around other kids kids need to be interacting in the world we're, we're locking kids up like they're prisoners and telling them to stare at a screen which there's already way too much of that going on anyway and i swear if i have if i see one more parent out in a public place with their kids with their ipad out with no headphones on I feel like there should be a law that I can just I can commandeer a fancy way of saying steal their iPad until they promise to get the kid headphones. I I don't know when we decided we were going to be barbarians and kids are going to be allowed to blast their video games in a public place where there are other people who are trying to, you know, think about what their life is is up to right now. Uh, This is I know a little bit of a digression, but I swear I keep seeing this and I look at them. "Do, Do we just have no manners anymore as a society? You know, that's that's fine. Blast your iPad so that nobody can enjoy their meal or nobody can, you know, be on a train or a bus and have their own thoughts. Right? They have to hear the video game that someone's, you know, seven year old is playing. But if you pull your mask down in between bites of, you know, uh, between bites of food and don't put it back on right away, you're a murderer. They're turning us against each other with stupidity. The statists, people who believe in government power above all else, they're enjoying this whole process. And they're destroying our society. They really are. They're they're pulling us apart at the seams. And it's all to take down Trump. Their psychosis is such a large part of this. The reason for their anger and their fear is so much more a result of Trump, actually, than it is the virus. I know that's crazy. But these people, these anti-Trumpers are nuts. They are nuts. They have been brainwashed into a level of insanity that's hard to comprehend if you're not also insane with Trump derangement syndrome.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. ACB
0: looking like she's getting through. That's a victory. Surprised the left didn't make more noise about it. I have some theories as to why that is, but uh, Trump is going to is going to end up here with his three Supreme Court picks. What kind of leadership would you want, would you expect from Joe Biden if he did end up becoming president on things like the Supreme Court? What, what would we expect Joe Biden to uh, to say here? Uh, well, here you go, play nine.
6: If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of, bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over a, 180 days come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack um, the way in which it's ha- being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I've looked to see what recommendations that commission might make. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations.
0: There's so much blather in there that it's almost hard to dissect. It's such a dumbass statement from Biden that you're taken aback for a second. Wait, What? First of all, who weaponized the Supreme Court? Democrats. Who got rid of the uh, filibuster? use the nuclear option for judicial nominees, Democrats who went after uh, uh, Bork and Kavanaugh and uh, who has, you know, has been using the most vicious tactics possible to stop nominees from the other side, Democrats. This is what this has been a one way war. Now it's just our side saying, "Okay, fine, you want to play rough. We're going to play rough, too. And now they're going, oh, no, don't play rough. What are you doing? That's right. Now that we're in charge, at least for the time being, they don't like it. But but Joe Biden saying he's going to form a commission. Oh, I'm, I'm sure some of the the uh, constitutional experts that come forward for this commission that he's going to form on whether to pack the court will be the same esteemed lawyers from, you know, Harvard Law School or whatever, who came forward to talk about Trump's impeachment and how what he did was an impeachable offense. These people made just complete clowns of themselves, but benefits them to do so. Right. Well, you do the Democrats bidding, you get more money, you get more fame, all the good things. The mob placating, the mob can bring you and the apparatus sitting atop the whole thing that plays the mob like a bunch of little puppets and they don't even realize it. That's what ends up happening, friends. Uh, but I just think that's so funny. Joe Biden. Oh, we'll hold a commission to determine whether we should pack the court. I don't know, Joe. Maybe you should just have some actual ideas some ideas about what is right and good and just for one of our most important governing institutions in this country instead of we'll we'll see what happens after the election. But that's always been Joe Biden's way. What do I have to say to fool low information voters and and the Democrat faithful, of course, will vote for him no matter what. What do I have to do to fool low information voters to go to go to my side? And, you know, it hasn't really worked in the past. In terms of getting independence. He's only ever been successful with
1: Democrats, folks. Let's remember that. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 60 minutes interview is
0: out, friends. Watch the whole thing just because I wanted to I wanted to give a nice reminder to myself as we go in to actually cast our ballots here. Nice reminder of just how fake the fake news really is. I mean, how, what a bunch of frauds they actually are. That's what I want us all to know. And it also raised some questions for me. Like, what does it take to become a 60 Minutes correspondent? And you just got to be is it like Biden? You just got to be around forever and never want to give up power, never want to stop hoarding the you know productive positions and resources of society. You know, me, me, me until you get to be 100. Is that is that how it works? I just was just wondering? Leslie Stahl. What does this person know about anything? You know, well, what exactly am I supposed to be impressed by here? She has it's, it's she has The presentation She's kind of like a poor man's Barbara Walters. Is that it? Or maybe Barbara Walters, is a poor man's Leslie Stahl. I don't know. But, you know, this uh, this g- sort of grand dame of the mainstream news or whatever. What is You know, it says Katie Couric. But she was younger. I'm trying to think. There's a few others that are in this category, too. But why does anyone listen to them? What do they do that makes someone think, oh, yeah, you know what I really care about? What the what the Leslie Stahl questions are in this one. Anyway, I'm (laughs) I'm not surprised at all. We see what happened. I think they put up the full interview now because Trump was threatening to put up the full interview. And it's a good thing that he did, because what you see is that Leslie Stahl was just horrible. The whole thing was awful. Every question is some is a, is an attack on the president? She doesn't ask him, you know, what have you done? That's positive about COVID, and what would you do in the future? She says, "How do you feel about the fact?" I mean, I'm of paraphr- You know, I'm I'm giving you a, a version here, an exaggeration or whatever, but it's it's some some type of uh, why are you the worst ever at dealing with COVID? Please discuss. Right? It always starts from a position. Of negativity toward the president, he picks up on this. He's very, he's very aware of it. And uh, here you go. Here's, here's what President Trump says to her. Play two.
2: I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this? The, I
5: thought. I thought you. I liked don't mind spot, it. I don't mind spark. it. But when
2: I watch him walk out of a store, and he's walking with a ice cream. And the question the media asked him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... F- he's not. Of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest, second biggest scandal. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign, know, There's Leslie. no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. It's no. all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, called. Can
5: I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we
2: can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put you, on
5: things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied
2: and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie. And you know that, but you just don't want to no, put it on the air. No,
0: as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. So what does she know? Has she been asleep for the last four years? What do we call the the attorney general of the United States, sitting attorney general, said that there was spying on the campaign. The highest law enforcement officer in the United States. Yes, there was spying on the Trump campaign. Remember that the whole Bill Barr? Oh, my gosh, he said spying. And he goes, yeah, it's called spying. That's what happened. Does she not know that? Oh, we can't verify. We can't put things on that we can't verify. This is a this is a new, a new trick, a new tool in the fake news media uh, toolkit, where they just when they don't want to talk about something, they pretend that you can't really verify. And and this this really does go to what you'll have with uh, with the most extreme conspiracy theorists. Here's a really easy way for conspiracy theorists to argue everything. You know, I'll say, guys, come on, you know. The country wasn't founded by founded by you know lizard people from the planet Zargon. Uh, the country was actually founded by the founding fathers, George Washington. Say so, yeah, were you there? Do you do you show me a photograph? Do you know what proof do you have? And, and and normal people understand that this is insane, but Democrats do a version of this now. Oh well, we can't report on the Hunter Biden emails because we we haven't we we don't have the hard drive ourselves, or we can't verify that it's not. Russian disinformation. Um, Well, then try your job is to verify things like what do do you mean? You can't verify this. But the the Democrats did this as well. It's it's deeply intellectually disingenuous, but this is what they do. The Democrats did this. You remember with uh, under the Obama administration, when there were a lot of mass casualty terror attacks that would happen. Remember all those ISIS inspired attacks, San Bernardino massacre, the Pulse nightclub, Mass shooting, uh, mass murder. There were these big attacks that happened. and the people who did them. I mean, in the case of the uh, Pulse nightclub was that guy Omar Mateen. He's on the phone. And he's like, "I am doing this for ISIS. I am doing this for jihad and for Allah." And then the Obama FBI. This should have been a big tip off, right? Oh, the FBI. Yeah, it was the Obama FBI? The Obama FBI redacted parts of the transcript for things like "I pledge allegiance to." Redacted. Why? We, we, we all know what he's saying, you know, I'm doing this in support of my brothers and sisters in redacted. And we they would do this thing of we may never know the real motive. Remember that game? We may never know the real motive. OK, well, we'll really, really extrapolate that one out, really go with that for a minute. Can you ever really know the real motive? Can you know the real motive if somebody confesses on video and says, I did this because of. You know, X, Y, and Z. Maybe they're lying. Doesn't matter what proof you have. You can't get inside that person's head. You can never know the real motive. But notice they only do this when they don't want to talk about radical Islam and jihad because the Obama administration was running around bowing to the Islamic world, begging forgiveness for all of the bad stuff America has done. You remember that. So then it didn't look good when they were coming, when, when they were inspired, I should say, within our own country to murder their fellow human beings in the name of a political entity known as ISIS that was a bunch of head chopping, women raping, evil murderers who all deserve to die in a pink mist, courtesy of the United States military. Thank you very much for those men and women serving who were part of that effort. So you can always play this game. We may never know the real motive. And Leslie Stahl, 60 Minutes Correspondent, we can't verify that. Well, if you're going to say that there's such a thing as Russian disinformation that looks at Russian disinformation that... Plants the laptop, gets to, uh, you know, gets to Hunter Biden's private photos, learn, knows all of his contacts, puts all the email. I mean, yeah, you can always say, oh, it's a super deep fake. This is like people that talk about moon landing stuff, right? Oh, it's, it's all a deep fake. Usually you laugh at them. The Democrats are now the actual conspiracy theorists, you see, when they have facts and evidence that goes against. Here's Leslie Stahl. We can't verify. We can't verify your campaign was spied on. Okay. other than the mountains of evidence provided by congressional investigation, as well as by the attorney general of the United States, who also stated openly that, yes, there was spying. Can't verify that, though. She makes it sound like we're not going to air that on TV. She's a partisan lib imbecile, but she plays her part, you know, probably makes two, three million dollars a year to show up there and and is not a very good interviewer. Another part of this just not very good at this. That's one thing that I've always found so interesting. I mean, Brian Stelter, I'll never forget this guy. The one time he had me on on his show, he tried to come at me. This is when I was a CNN contributor years ago, tried to come at me on some issue of terrorism uh, and and how I knew that something was radical Islam versus, you know, it, it was actually a version of we may never know the motive. Brian Stelter wanted to ambush me on his show about we may never know the motive. And it's like, okay, Brian, I actually have expertise in this area and got about 15 to 20 IQ points on you. So good luck with this one. And he looked very foolish in the interview. They never even told me. They just cut it out of the show. It was a pre-tape. They just cut it out of the. show. It was on a Friday. They cut it out for Sunday. But I also remember this guy. I've I had never seen anyone at that point who had his own show on cable news, with the exception of uh, Ronan Farrow, who looked like you know a lost kindergarten, like I've got my own show. Look, like MSNBC. Uh, I've never seen somebody with such uh, unbelievable lack of tv skills basic tv skills reading off a prompter interviewing asking questions who had their own show their own show on cable news it was remarkable right uh that was brian stelter there are others like that too who the moment they don't have a staff of i mean some of these cnn shows have 20 30 people working on the staff you know sending them research writing all their questions or whatever uh the moment that's gone all of a sudden you go is this person even very well informed is this person particularly bright the answer is no But they've played the game, they do what they're supposed to, and they rise anyway. It's all smoke and mirrors, friends. There's so much of this in the mainstream media, so much of this in the mainstream news divisions of of all these different networks. Basically, the elevation of uh, highly self-involved, narcissistic uh, Democrat dumbasses, into positions where we're all supposed to go, oh, well, they're the height of journalism. Yeah, you mean like Dan Rather? You mean like Brian Williams? You mean like Katie Couric? Like Leslie Stahl? A- any of these people impressive to you? I'm just a just a, just a lowly syndicated radio host, man, and on a general test of knowledge of politics or anything else, you know these people would get smoked, right, by yours truly. It wouldn't even be close. It'd be embarrassing for them. Why exactly do we have to listen to them? Why does 60 Minutes get access to the president? Because of the, the pomp and circumstance around the storied 60 Minutes. It's all just for show, friends. It's not real. There's no real ethics, no real integrity. And you saw that with this Leslie Stahl thing. It, and they, they weren't going to air the whole thing, but they realized what position, what chance did they have here? Trump and all conservatives should do this. And it's, it's a note for me, too. I always want a copy. If I'm ever going into hostile territory again, uh, I want a copy of the whole thing. Now, Bill Marshall, for example, that's live. So live is a little bit different. Live is live. Um, But if you're doing a taped interview, you absolutely have to tape it yourself as a conservative. Otherwise, you get the Daily Show treatment, but they do that to you on actual news shows. right? The Daily Show got away with it because they were uh, a left wing propaganda show with jokes. But they'll do that to you on 60 Minutes. They'll cut it up and they'll do this to every Republican politician that did to the president himself. But he had a copy of it. So they had to show us the whole thing, because otherwise their edited version versus the actual interview would show what a bunch of frauds they are. So they got caught. So they had to edit and and they could not air it. Right. That would look even worse. So they put the whole thing out there. And Leslie Stahl looks like a a crybaby left wing idiot, idiot. Honestly, no different in her political sensibility or awareness of the world around her or sense of fairness, then you know we might as well have had, uh, you know, Deborah Messing or uh, Suzanne. What's her name? The one uh, I can't even remember her name, right? You know, the actress that's always out there. To, all these idiot actresses that go out there that are lecturing us on politics all the time, especially of that generation, you know, Jane, Jane Fonda. You might as well have had Jane Fonda do this interview. It would have been the same interview with Trump. Well, why don't you stop? making people you know go to your rallies and make them why don't you make them wear masks well we're going to have mask mandate where you we're going to have people forcefully remove them from his rallies is that really what's supposed to happen friends the fake news media thinks that if biden wins it's all going to go back to normal they don't understand they have radicalized their opponents in the media they have radicalized the opposition i mean cnn the the only thing that can be done now is to nuke the site from orbit so to speak just to be sure there's there's no bringing these places back as they currently are configured. You need massive overhauls of leadership, of talent, of mission, all of it. These places are effectively enemy combatants on the ideological battlefield, and that's not going to change in a Biden administration. And we're not going to
1: forget that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
5: Do you know what you told me a long time ago when I asked why you keep saying fake m- yeah. media? Yeah. You said to me, I say that because I need to disc- uh, discredit you so that when you say negative things about me, no one
2: will believe you. I don't you. have to discredit you. But that's what You've you told me. You've discredited yourself.
5: You know, I didn't want to have this kind of anger Of course you did. No, I didn't.
2: Of course you did. No, I didn't. Well, then you brought up a lot of subjects that- Well, I said were I'm gonna ask you tough up. questions. They were inappropriately but brought up, right from the beginning. No, your first question was, this is going to be tough questions. Why? You don't ask Joe Biden. I saw your interview with Joe, the interview with I Joe never Biden. did a Joe it Biden interview. It was a interview. joke. The interview, 60 minutes. I see Joe Biden giving softball after softball. I've seen all of his interviews. He's never been asked a question that's hard.
5: Okay, but forget him for a minute. No, but you your start with me. are
2: president. And- Excuse me, Leslie. You started with me. Your first statement was, "Are you ready for tough questions?" Are you? That's no way to talk. It's no way to talk.
0: Yeah. Do you think she sits down with Joe Biden and says, are "You ready for me to hammer you with with biased questions the, with the premise that you disagree with"? You think that's how she would start with Joe Biden? No, I don't. I don't don't think so. Uh, I think we all know exactly how, how that would go. And good for the White House for at least taping it on their end here, because otherwise it would have been another hit piece, another hit piece that wasn't based on really Trump's answers. It's just the way that they cut it and paste it and pull it all together. And 60 Minutes does this thing, too, where they have the the narration voice that comes in. So you don't get to actually challenge. It's really quite dishonest. In a situation like this, you don't get to challenge as the interviewee what is being dropped in. They'll say, you know, they'll have the, the Leslie Stahl asking Trump a question. And then her voice will be interspersed into a moment there where all of a sudden they will be, we checked on the facts of this. And turns out that what the president said is a lie. And then it just goes back to the interview. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. What? That's what they do. It's also fraudulent. But this is what they need to do. You have to remember that you almost feel bad for them because. Although I, I don't feel bad for them. Because this is the guy that they say should be president of the United States. Play eight.
6: This is the most consequent, not because I'm running, but because who I'm running against. This is the most consequential election uh, in, a, in a long, long, long time. And the character of the country, in my view, is literally on the ballot. What kind of country are we going to be? Four more years of George Georgia, he's going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world.
0: I was to say that 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 sounds to me like a what you would delicately call a senior moment. George, uh, Georgia uh, Bush. No, no, wrong. We're to ignore that, right? The guy's having foggy moments. Does anyone think that gets better in two or three years with this guy's president? Oh, that's right. They don't care because then Kamala gets to take over. And Kamala checks the identity politics boxes for the left. And will do exactly what the Democrat Party wants. We'll we'll get into uh, Kamala Harris in a moment. She also was interviewed over the weekend. Some important uh, notes there about her. Uh, but Joe, Joe Biden was always saying he's going to listen to the experts. And that's the big difference between Trump and him. Notice how dismissive he is about a. University of Chicago medical school trained M.D., who is chief of neuroradiology neuroradiology at Stanford University Medical Center. Uh, notice how Biden talks about that expert play four.
7: Dr. Scott Atlas. And he is advocating young people go about their business and older people
6: sequester. Nobody thinks he makes any sense. Nobody. No serious doctor around the world. No serious
0: doctor. This is like how they talk about climate change. That's a lie. There are thousands of doctors who have signed a statement that is supportive of exactly what was raised there, which is focus protection, protect the elderly and those with with chronic conditions and those at high risk and let everybody else effectively go through their lives. Normally, uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, thousands and thousands of doctors, including from places like Stanford and Oxford and Harvard and Yale, they have signed that. So here's Biden telling you no one agrees with him.
1: Well, that's a lie. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, team, what is
0: the latest with these Hunter Biden emails, the investigation into Biden family corruption, and also what's going on in the absolutely pivotal state of Ohio just days before this election? We got Congressman Jim Jordan with us now to answer these questions. Congressman, thanks for thanks for being with us.
8: Good to be with you, Buck.
0: So the Hunter Biden emails, a lot of attention on the right for this last week, came up in the debates, nothing really all that memorable in the exchange from at least what the what the polls afterwards showed. What can you about, should we expect more, and is this going to matter? Well, it should
8: matter, uh, but, you know, the mainstream press won't, won't report it, and even those handful who will, uh, Twitter and Facebook censor it. But, I mean, the, the facts are not in question, I mean... <laughs> We, we have the drop slip. Hunter Biden signed the drop slip when he dropped the laptop off at the store in, in Delaware. We have the, the director of national intelligence and the FBI uh, both saying this is not Russian disinformation. We have an eyewitness who says the laptop is real. The emails are real and that the one email which references the big guy is, in fact, a reference to the vice president. And, oh, that same that same eyewitness has actually met with Vice President Biden. So the facts are not in question whatsoever. But again, the mainstream press won't report it. I think the American people are are figuring this out and um, it is going to have an impact on the election. It's going to help President Trump. win.
0: How would it be possible for because the Joe Biden connection to Hunter Biden's activities? That seems to be the place where there would be real political vulnerability. Right. That's that's straight up corruption. And I also wonder how that could be legal. Um, It feels like we're not going to find out before the election if there is some connection there because of the the, you know, financial investigation that would have to go on and who's even going to do that. But could we find out? I mean, you know, your committee, could you guys actually get that information?
8: Well, it'd be tough because, you know, Jerry Nadler is not going to not going to want to do what what Republicans are going to want to do on our committee. But um, frankly, it sort of raises the question, why didn't why wasn't this looked into earlier? I mean, Chris Rays had this laptop for a while. Why just now interview the business partner, Mr. Bobolinsky. Why just now start to look into it? Uh, uh, you know, why didn't Chris Ray look into this earlier? But frankly, it's sort of a pattern with the head of the FBI, because remember, it took it took Rick Grinnell to release the transcripts of these people who told us that there was nothing there. No Russian collusion on that issue. So um, that to me is a, is, a, is a big question that I think needs answered as well. It'd be nice if, um, nice if the Senate Maybe Mr. Grassley or Mr. Johnson would ask Christopher Ray that question in front of a committee at some point here soon. We're
0: talking to Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Uh, Congressman, the you know the FBI director, there's at least some reporting saying that the president may choose to uh, very soon after assuming he's reelected, uh, yeah. ask for a resignation. W- would you support I mean, let's just call it what it is. Would you support the firing of FBI director Christopher Ray?
8: Well, that's, that's totally up to, I, I, if that's what the president wants to do, of course I'd support it, but uh, that's the president's call. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what he decides. Uh, I think the president is going to get reelected. I think there's a chance this thing could break in a big way for the president. If that happens, I think you're going to see us keep the Senate and and regain the house. Uh, You know, all the energy is on our side. I I said to, I said earlier today, when's the last time you saw a Biden vote parade or any Biden parade out there? So um, I think the energy is on our side, uh, but if, what what the president decides to do with his cabinet is, is totally the, uh, the president's call. I will say this, what I said earlier, I, I'm surprised that, you know, it took Rick Grinnell to get us information that was critically important that, that seemed to me the FBI director could have given us years ago. Uh, the FBI director has had Hunter Biden's laptop now for months and, and hasn't done, done squat with it. So, um, you know, but but whether he stays or goes, that's the president's call. Uh,
0: Congressman, also want to ask you about the the Durham probe which I was skeptical would be finished and or would matter before the election, based on just my knowledge of the federal bureaucracy, having been a federal bureaucrat myself. What happened with the Durham probe, Congressman?
8: Well, I mean, part of it was, um, you know, during during the early, early days of the coronavirus lockdown, the grand jury wasn't meeting. So that did slow things down. But I am as frustrated as I think all Americans, because, look, I've been I've been on this issue for three years. And and three years ago, Buck, there was just a handful of us in the Congress who were looking at it. There was just a handful of you guys in the the press who were looking at it. And it was kind of a lonely place. And we took a lot of heat for it. But it turned out we were right um, that this was a this was a complete hoax. Um, And we were hopeful that Bill Barr would do uh, that. This would be done this summer. And remember, Bill Barr told us in the spring that there would be something this summer And yet here we are in in, in the fall and still nothing now eight days before an election. But I think part of the reason it was slowed down was the coronavirus. In the end, people need to be held accountable because if they're not, if they can do this to a president, if they can do this to a three-star general, Michael Flynn, um, imagine what they can do to you and I. That's that's something I've said repeatedly, but that's the part that scares me the most. And that's the main reason why you need to hold people accountable who were engaged in this ridiculous behavior.
0: Speaking of Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Oh, Congressman, the battle for the House, people are saying is going to be well right now, at least the polls seem to be favoring Democrats. Uh, you seem confident in the other direction. I know that you can't see the future, but I want your analysis of what you think the future will be next week when it comes to who's going to be in control and whether we have to go through more time with Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, as speaker of the House. Tell, tell me it's not going to be so, Congressman. Well.
8: I hope not. And and look, the energy is on our side. Uh, as I said, you know, if you if you didn't see all these crazy polls out there and you were just looking at enthusiasm, energy stuff, you see with your own eyes, these parades, these these boat parades, everything else and all the energy at that president's rallies, you would swear President Trump's going to win in a landslide. So I think the president's going to win. Uh, as I said, I think there's a chance it, it, it could it could break big in our direction. If that's the case, then we're going to take back the House. And the other thing that helps us is we've got great candidates. You know, in the end, campaigns, it, it, it's still uh, elections are lot, largely about who the candidate is. And we have recruited particularly a lot of uh, women conservative candidates who I think are tremendous. I, I, I raised a lot of money for the House Freedom Fund. And, and we have went out and recruited uh, conservative candidates like Yvette Harrell in New Mexico, uh, like Jeannie Ives in, in suburban uh, uh, Chicago, some, some good candidates. This Lauren Boebert, this the wonderful candidate in, in Colorado. So we got good candidates out there uh kevin mccarthy's done a good job of 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 raising the money as well for our team i think there's a chance if this thing breaks big for the president which uh, i think is uh could in fact happen
0: tell us before let you go congressman your your confidence that the great state of ohio is gonna go red once again absolutely critical it feels like without ohio we don't get four more years of trump
8: it's going to yeah i mean look it feels just like 16 in some ways better than 16 and in 2016, the president won Ohio by eight and a half. And, and I, I feel like the same dynamics in place uh, to, to happen this time. Um, I think he's going to win. And he deserves buck. No one has done. No one has done more of what they said they would do than this president. Remember, he said he said he would cut taxes. He did. He said he'd reduce regulations. He did. He said he'd build a wall. He did. He said we'd have a growing economy. We had the best economy before the virus, and now it's coming back. He said he said he'd get out of the Iran deal. He did. He said he put the embassy in Jerusalem. He did. He said he would take on China, and he did. He said he would put out a list of people he would select for him to put on the Supreme Court, and he did. Justice Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, and now today Justice Coney Barrett. So this guy has done more of what he said he would do than any president in our lifetime. And I think in the end, the American people recognize that. And that's why they're going to realize it.
0: Congressman Jim Jordan, everybody. Congressman, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. You bet, Buck.
1: Take care, brother. You're, You're in no the freedom, freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Adam Schiff, dishonest guy, totally dishonest guy, made up my conversation. Remember the holes of Congress said quid pro quo eight times. I didn't say it at all. Isn't it lucky I had a transcriber? Isn't it lucky? Otherwise, it would be my word again, shifty shift. But think of it. Think of it. So Adam Schiff, he's out there, and he's talking about what's taking place. And here it is, the laptop from hell. He said, it's Russia, Russia. Here we go again. Russia, Russia, Russia. I think Russia must look at us and say, these people are stone cold crazy. (laughs) This is this is Russian disinformation. I'll tell you what, we got to get back to business. This is crazy what's going on.
0: They should be embarrassed by this. The libs, the Democrats. But they're not because it's not about being honest or correct. It's about the attack. It's about the slime. And also the defense here. Right. The attack on Trump, that he's part of a Russia collusion scheme again, and the defense of Hunter Biden's laptop and the obvious Biden family scheme that I think now no serious person can can pretend is not the truth. Forget about Leslie Stall. We can't verify that. Sure. Uh, which is that Biden was making money Biden was making a lot of money by selling access. That's what was going on. Biden was making a lot of money. And I mean, Hunter Biden and maybe his dad Now people say, oh, but his financial disclosures and everything else. Okay, I mean, if you're willing to have your son, maybe the son was why would this son lie about all of this? Why would Hunter Biden say we're going to kick money to the big guy and then not kick money to him? Maybe just seems makes the plan seem more legit to the possible co-conspirators that he's working with and that Joe didn't ever really know about this. But we know that Joe did lie about how much he knew about Hunter's business dealings in general. So he's already a liar. You think it's really beyond Joe Biden to, let's say, have access to a bank account set up somewhere in the name of an LLC that he could draw upon sometimes for, you know, unspecified consulting services? I'm just I don't know, but it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to do. And Joe Biden does live very well and has for a long time for a guy who makes under 200 grand a year. So there's that. Uh, But I'm also very skeptical of this as an important issue that will help with the election i've i've been all along saying to you the hunter biden thing it's nice yes i was excited too we were right we've been proven to be right the media lied there are a bunch of frauds all right that's all good that's all true what wins though we're not tired of winning what's going to win this election i don't think hunter biden's emails are going to make a difference just telling you that and how will we know well first we got to see what happens in the election um but a- afterwards as well there'll be some ability to, uh, to check on what independents at least say motivated. Them. You know, we may never know the motives, right? It's difficult to get past that once you think about it out loud. But I just don't see this as being the issue uh, because there's so much corruption with Democrats, too. And I mean, this whether it's the Clintons and and now with the Bidens that it just feels like it doesn't. The outrage is exhausted. You know, there's not a, there's not enough to really move things. But here's an area where I do think uh, there could be some last-minute, uh, some last-minute gains against the Democrat side. It has to do with Kamala Harris. You know, Kamala Harris uh, positions herself as a very, you know, savvy political operative senator from California. Very, you know, very uh, technocratic and 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 able for whatever purposes the Democrats need her to be. And yet when you look into who Kamala Harris really is, she's just the most far left wing senator of all of them. Really? Let's uh, let's get into some of the interview that happened with her. And again, Nora O'Donnell, another uh, another person. I feel like why? Why am I listening to Nora O'Donnell exactly? Because she's been in the she's been in the game a while. I feel like she could be on QVC selling wedding dresses just as much as she is in this interview. But anyway, I'm just saying. And, uh, you know. Uh, he's not the, she's not the only one that that I feel this way about. There are a lot of them out there. I mean, there's the Brian Williams effect. Brian Williams was just like an actor on, anyway. Uh, you know you guys know that I, that stuff drives me nuts. Um play play ten, please. This is Nora O'Donnell asking Kamala Harris about her voting record.
7: You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody
5: said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage.
7: But <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Joe Biden doesn't support those things. So are you going to bring the policies those progressive policies that you supported as senator into a Biden administration? What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is
5: what Joe wants me to do, this was part of our deal. I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him.
0: That's a total non-answer from Kamala, as you know. Bring my lived experience. We all... What does that even mean? Bring my lived experience. Don't we do, all do that to everything we do? It's like such a such a BS politician phrase there. Um, well, but here's the issue. Here's the problem. Uh, they the media is generally now Look, you say, Buck, will they ask the question here? Look, sometimes they just want to get a headline. Sometimes they figure it doesn't really matter. And the clicks outweigh the cause. Once in a while, right? This is the classic fake tapper move. He asks one real question a month so that he can run Democrat propaganda the rest of the month and, and all of his shows and all of his stuff. But there are some conservatives who are like, oh well, he tries to be fair. No, one out of a hundred actual questions uh, is not not fair, right? That's just that's just inserting some truth amidst all the rest of the propaganda, which as we know that's what the Russians are supposed to be doing all the time, because we're all experts now in disinformatia all experts in Russian disinformation. So Harris is the most liberal senator. This is another way of saying, friends, Harris is uh, a stealth socialist. right? We know this now. The Green New Deal, Medicare for all. These are the biggest socialist leaps forward that, and yes, it is a great leap forward, that we could take as a country. And Harris was totally on board for them. And now you may say, but Buck, she won't be president. Joe Biden will be. Okay, For how long? How long do we really think that's going to last? Maybe a term. I mean, I'm not going to be the person who says Biden's going to bail after two months. I don't think that's true. But I think after the first term, uh, Joe Biden is is in a perfect position to say that, uh, you know, he's going to hand the reins over to Kamala. And think about the branding for the Biden family name and the Biden fortune going forward. Joe Biden will be responsible for being the vice president to the first black uh, president in American history history for eight years and then essentially bring into being or, or, you know, hand off the baton to the first black female uh, president in the history of this country. That's that's quite a resume for Joe Biden without having to ever be in, in charge during a war, without having to be. You know, I mean, during this pandemic, he's just going to blame if if Biden becomes president, you know, that no matter how awful the year 2021 is, he'll blame everything on Trump. This is the Democrat game. Everything will be Trump's fault. Oh, he didn't do. It. We had a chance to stop it. And sure, my policies aren't working. And sure, the economy is crap right now. And people have sold their stock and everyone's just, you know, trying to prepare for this uncertain future by hoarding hard assets, which I, I think is, by the way, I think that's a good idea. Uh, So. He'll just blame Trump so he won't actually have any accountability for what he does in 2021. And then he gets to uh, step aside after that and let Kamala take the reins. Kamala is a stealth socialist. This this is how the Democrat Party transitions to socialism. Socialism in a way where they don't have to have a Bernie Sanders who's standing up there saying, I
1: am a socialist. Thanks for listening to the bus, sex and show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is the
5: perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America, who was also a prosecutor, who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip-hop. <laughs> like.
0: um, I'm, I, really, I really ask this in all sincerity. What's, a, what's funny? Why is she like laughing kind of hysterically? At the, what's so funny about the question? Does anyone... Kamala does have a, a habit of of laughing at, at I wouldn't say necessarily inappropriate, that sounds a little bit severe, but at, at strange times. And I wonder how much of that is just a habit or it's a dodge, especially after being asked a question. Yeah, look, credit where it's due. Nora O'Donnell asked her a real question here. At least there's one. It wasn't a hard question. It was a real question. It wasn't, how does it feel to be on the cusp of perhaps making history? That's a classic you know, lib media to Democrat candidate question, right? That's the the real sweet stuff. That's the real center of the bullseye there. You know, yeah, that's what they want to do. That's that's what the American people want to know. How does it feel to just be so historic and to be in such a great position of leadership, uh, especially if you win, you know? Oh, gosh, uh, how do I handle that question? But uh, Kamala, again, doesn't answer this at all. Are you the most are you the most liberal senator? I mean, according to a nonpartisan fact check, whatever, how much faith we put in that is a different discussion. But according to a nonpartisan fact check place, you know, we are, in fact, uh, looking at somebody who may be the most left wing, which is remarkable. That include Bernie Sanders. Maybe Bernie on trade is less rat- is more uh, centrist than Kamala is. And maybe Bernie on the border is more radical than Kamala. I'm sorry, uh, less radical than Kamala. But that's pretty remarkable that Harris is being positioned here or or at least being uh, accused might be the wrong word, but people are claiming that she's more left-wing than the actual socialist who ran against her, who did much better than she did, by the way. I think that's also noteworthy here. Um, But we also know what Harris is doing. Harris plays a role in this campaign for Biden and then the transition to Harris away from Biden in the future. And the immediate role is that, as I said, identity politics are essential to the Democrat Party. They really believe in uh, voting for people based upon what the right would consider the superficial and and entirely unimportant as it pertains to intelligence, character, decency or anything else. Uh, characteristics of nationality, skin color, things like that. The, the right just looks at these things and says, "We just, we just want the best person for whatever the job is we're talking about here." The left says, "No, we need somebody who addresses, because of these superficial characteristics, addresses the following, you know, historic injustices or something like that." And Kamala checks those boxes, um, and and I I think it's interesting. She would also be. I mean, her mother is from India, so she would also be the first Indian American uh, president. Which, like, I, I just think this is—they never bring that up. I never hear that in the media, which I always strikes me as kind of strange. Why? Why doesn't that? We hear all the time about the first black uh, black female president, which yes, that is historic and that would be a first, but also the first Indian American president. I just feel like why does. Well, I think we, the answer is that the Indian American community, the, the Democrat Party, is not relying on them to churn out votes uh, to get votes going the same way that the black community. Look, the black community is absolutely essential if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to win this thing. Just that's obvious. It's clear. And so I, I understand why there's a focus, but I do think they should. And maybe it's happened a few times. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting down the uh, rabbit hole in that one. I just it surprised me a little bit. Uh And then uh, you have Kamala saying what I know is part of the job, part of the role is to always talk about what a racist Trump is. We have to hear about what a racist Trump is. Play 12.
7: President Trump has attacked you frequently. He's called you a monster. He said you're nasty and it would be an insult to our country if you became the first female president. Do you see this as just the rough and tumble of politics or do you view those attacks against you as racist? Well,
5: this is not the first time in my life I've been called names. And it, you know, it was predictable, sadly.
7: Do you think the president is racist?
5: Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. You can look at a pattern that goes back to him questioning the identity of the first black president of the United States. You can look at Charlottesville. When there were peaceful protesters, and on the other side, neo-Nazis, and he talks about fine people on either side, calling Mexicans rapists and criminals? His first order of business was to institute a Muslim ban? It all speaks for itself.
0: All lies or misrepresentations and lies from Kamala Harris on this point. (sighs) So let's let's go through these. Let's go through them because it's such a smear. And I know there's a part of me that wants to just ignore it and say they're lying again. This is what they do. This is how the Democrats operate. But then there's also a part of me that wants to say we can't allow these smears to just go without response. And so we get bogged down in this once again. All right. Let the Charlottesville thing. That's just a lie. The president didn't say what they say. He said. It's a lie. There's a transcript. There's video. You can watch it. He was not talking about neo-Nazis. They're, they're trying to misrepresent his words. You know, if I quoted somebody, let's say, you know, if I quoted somebody and I said, hey, do you guys hear that Bob, Bob said that I hate all people from Iceland? And then the media kept saying Buck Sexton said the words, I hate all people from Iceland, that's technically true, but it's also a lie. Right. You see what I mean? That's what they do to Donald Trump here. Yes. He said there were good people on both sides, referring to people on both sides of the whether you tear statues down or not debate, which is still an ongoing. And I live near Columbus Circle, where it is very much on the minds of the NYPD officers who are assigned to protect that statue from the Stat- Remember when statue toppling was like this craze in the country for weeks and weeks? What happened to that? Remember when that was such a big deal? Oh, we got to pull down the statues. They pulled down the statue from the front of the Museum of Natural History of Teddy Roosevelt. All these statues that are going and getting pulled down. This spasm of iconoclasm. What was that all about? Just Control, rage, power. The mob. It's just about the mob being angry, finding an outlet for its rage. Um, But so she lies about Charlottesville, which is unsurprising. Um, The Barack Obama birth certificate thing. This is interesting to me because you often hear this, too. They often they they will always say that this is racist um, when where a presidential candidate was born has actually been meaning whether they were subject to the jurisdiction thereof. This goes back all the way to Alexander Hamilton. This this goes all throughout our history. You know, John McCain in the Panama Canal zone and there was a a Mitt Mitt Romney ancestor born in in Mexico. This has come up plenty of times with other presidents who are not Obama. Now, I always thought that the birth certificate thing was going to end in Obama's favor. And and that's why he released the certificate that he did. And he knew that they were playing into his hands on this one. But this didn't come from a to, to assume that that somehow racial ignores all the history of look. There is a very real argument. He probably don't don't tell him I said this, but I've heard this from people who are very smart and look very closely. Uh, Ted Cruz, not really able to run for president. There's a real constitutional argument. The guy was not born in the United States and had parents who were not U.S. citizens. So, you know, I I know he was running and I was actually I supported him in the primary. But there's a real, there's a question mark there for sure. It's not, ra- but no one would suggest that that question, and I'm sure I, I like, don't, don't tell, because bearded Ted Cruz is fierce. Don't tell him I said that because I want to come on the show and argue and he'll be citing precedent from, you know, some case in 1804 or something I've never even heard of and I'll be like, I get, oh, whatever, whatever. I have no beef with it. I'm just saying no one would say that that was racist. That's, a, that's a, an area of inquiry where he, and Ted Cruz is Latino. I know he's never thought of as Latino by the left, but he is Latino. Uh, he does in fact count as Latino, so that's not fair to say that this is all racist about Obama and the birth certificate. I'm not. Sure, I'm not saying there weren't racists who probably liked the birth certificate issue, but it's not. It's not inherently an issue rooted in racism if you look at the history of people challenging whether or not somebody can run for president based upon their place of birth and their and their citizenship and this and the subject to the to the jurisdiction thereof, clause. And what was the? Other? she said something? Oh, Mexicans are rapists and murderers. That's all. he didn't say that everybody or, or rather in in the way that he was speaking, it was clear. He's not saying that everybody. I should ask you this. Does she really believe the president? It was claiming that every single Mexican immigrant is a rapist or a murderer. Of course not. That's a dumb thing to say. It was an imprecise way of saying there are MS-13 gang members. There are cartel you know, assassins and drug dealers. That, are, that have flooded across our border over the years, and this is a bad thing, that is real. The president was imprecise in the way he described that, but he also was one of the first people who was willing to even talk about it. But she's, again, acting like she can't understand plain English or or the way that people speak English because he was clearly not suggesting that everybody who comes into the country is a rapist or a murderer from Mexico. That's a very... A very dumb thing for anyone to suggest. And I forget even what the last one. Oh, oh, the Muslim ban. You mean the temporary restriction on travel from countries identified by the Obama administration as having a high degree of uh, terrorist threat? And that was rapidly amended to include like Venezuela, North Korea, too. And and was only I think it was 13 percent of the Muslim world by population or something was affected by this. But, yeah, it's just like an all out Muslim ban. You know, and they said, oh, but nobody would ever be caught under this ban. That would be a problem for us. Just like they said, no refugees from Muslim countries would ever cause uh, issues here. Oh, you mean like the Cernayev brothers in the Boston Marathon bombing? Refugees, folks, from the Caucasus region, a Muslim a Muslim region of the former Soviet Union. Uh, there was also a guy caught, I think, in Kentucky who was a refugee from Iraq who was planning a terrorist attack in this country. So yeah, I know it does happen. But the media just went went crazy on that issue but notice i've gone through each one of these things the reasons she gives for trump are racist are either lies or completely decontextualized and dishonest uh takes on what the president's position is or what he said oh and since we're talking about lies and decontextualized statements let's bring up the acb who's about to be supreme court justice yay here's what Kamel said about that play 13 I
5: believe that this whole process has been absolutely illegitimate. Uh, The American people are voting by the tens of millions. And the election is going to be over in nine days. And let the American people and the majority of Americans agree with this, by the way. Let the American people decide who's going to be their next president. And then let that president decide who fills a lifetime term
0: on the highest court in our land. But do
5: you feel that she's qualified? I will be voting against her.
0: Do you feel she's qualified, though?
5: I believe this is an absolutely illegitimate process.
0: An illegitimate process. How? I don't like something is not the same as saying it's illegitimate, right? I would prefer another outcome is not the same thing as saying something's illegitimate, but Democrats try to treat it like it is. This is just losers whining about something where they didn't get their way. That's all it is. Illegitimate process. Oh, and her, her claim about the American people that's, a, that's also a lie. The polls actually show. Uh, That the American people now, after seeing who ACB is, they all turned in her favor. They're like, this woman's amazing. We'd be lucky to have her on the Supreme Court. And we are lucky because we have her on the or we will shortly. I mean, depending on when you hear this, shortly have her on the Supreme Court. So that's a very good thing. But Susan Collins voting against it. "Eh, Look, I get it. Democrats do this sometimes. This is the head fake. Collins maybe thinks she'll keep her her Senate seat because she's voting against ACB. We'll see. I'm not sure. We don't need her vote, though, so it doesn't really matter. This is the same thing that happened with Manchin in West Virginia for Kavanaugh, where they didn't need that vote. So Manchin was allowed by the Democrat hierarchy to to go pro Kavanaugh because it didn't make a difference at that point, And they wanted to keep a at least a uh, ostensibly Democrat in West Virginia in the Senate. So ACB. Victory for the good guys. That's the good news. But just everything Kamala says here, it's just uh, it's just the usual Democrat talking points and lies and misdirections. And she really just does not strike me as even a little bit of an. She's not she's not interesting in her policy positions. She doesn't seem particularly well read in her policy positions. She was a kind of line prosecutor in the San Francisco D.A. office who. Attached herself to a very powerful man in San Francisco. Democrat politics, and then just worked her way up the uh, up the apparatus. And that's what ended up happening. And now she might be vice president of the United States.
1: Pretty amazing when you think about it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Why don't we have a
0: covid relief deal yet? Why don't we have one? Well, because Nancy Pelosi uh, doesn't want people to get money from the federal government to make them feel better, to make the market stabilize, to make businesses you know, continue to function or at least be able to hope to keep their doors open again in the future until after the election. That's why. And here's how Pelosi responds to it when people are starting to realize she is the roadblock for millions of Americans getting much needed funds. Play sixteen.
9: Three Democratic governors wrote to you, President Trump and other congressional
0: leaders saying, among other things, quote, we implore you to put differences aside and agree to another much needed COVID-19 relief bill. In addition, one of your own members, Congressman uh, Max Rose, said this week that the Democratic Party needs to learn to a certain extent how to declare victory and go home. Um, You're getting a lot of messages from Democrats saying this is good enough. We, We need to say yes.
9: Welcome to my world, that is not a lot of messages, although I respect each and every one of them. The fact is, if we don't agree to the science to crush the virus, if they did what is in our bill that science dictates that we do, then if we do that we can lower the incidence of the virus in certain areas, open schools, open businesses and the rest. If we don't, we're just giving money to the president to spend any way he wants. And that has not been in furtherance of crushing the virus. So, again, in terms of we all want an agreement. Nobody wants it more than the House Democrats. We represent these people.
0: She keeps saying that we represent these people. Yeah, so do Republicans. What about the previous deals, Nancy? This is just supposed to be a re-up of the cash. That was given out in previous deals. They've already ironed out some of the kinks. They've made this whole thing more efficient. Why is it different this time? The answer is because Nancy wants things politically. That's the only thing that's different. The need of the American people is the same. The need of small businesses that are getting crushed right now is the same. But Nancy doesn't care. She just does not care. And she also thinks she's going to keep the house. So that means she's even more defiant. Play 17.
9: You keep thinking that, Mr. President, you just keep on thinking that. Just another example of the delusional um, statements he made uh, there. He said that we're on the decline with the, the virus that. Right. But cleanest air, and cleanest if Democrats water. And keep dress. the
0: house. If Democrats keep the house, are you going to run for another term as speaker?
9: Yes, I am. But let me also say we have to win the Senate.
0: Yes, she is. Nancy should be Queen Nancy until she's 100 folks. Don't you see? Can't ever give power up because it's about the people. It's a, it's about the ch- the children, and it's about it's about you. You know, we we represent these people. Nancy represents herself, folks.
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You
10: know, listen. There is no place in the United States of America where two, three, four hour waits to vote is acceptable. And just because it's happening in a blue state doesn't mean that it's not voter suppression. You know, If we are waiting three hours, four hours, five hours, if this was happening in a swing state, there would be national coverage. So I don't want us to think that just because this is a blue state that this isn't a problem. This is very clearly a problem. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But uh, that being said, At the same time, I am thrilled to see how many people who are overcoming this injustice waiting in the lines anyway, bringing community supplies, snacks, lawn chairs. You know, we are going to overcome this hurdle so that we can elect the folks that will make sure that this will not be a problem in the future.
0: That's right. A line, according to AOC, in New York. To vote is now voter suppression. I don't say this to be mean. She's just really dumb. What else can you? It it, it should be embarrassing to the residents of Queens who elected this person to Congress. It's not. She's just not smart. Powerful. Yes. Influential. Absolutely. Bright. No, not bright, but don't have to be. As we see a lot of dumb voters out there, unfortunately, that's the problem. Right. Dumb voters who make bad decisions and vote for dumb people. And this is an example of just the, the future of the Democrat Party here really believes that a line of people to vote is evidence of voter suppression. How How is it? How are their votes being suppressed? They're in line. They got to wait. They all get to vote. What's the problem? Yeah. Is government slow and inefficient at things sometimes? Sure. Is this new? Remember, the the, the same government that, can't figure out a way to get people in and out to do something. that takes about 20 seconds, 30 seconds max. Uh, can't get people to do that efficiently. Wants to tell you exactly how to run every aspect of your life, including what you do in your own home to prevent a, you from catching something that travels in the air that you like need an electron microscope basically to see. I mean, this is crazy. Right. But that same government supposed to be in charge, supposed to be running things. AOC is um, shockingly dumb, but you also have to remember she is the vanguard of the new Democrat left. She is a is going to be somebody she's going to keep getting elected and elected and elected. AOC is going to be Speaker of the House one day, friends. You heard it here. Give it uh, give it three more terms, four more terms. She'll be Speaker of the House. It's going to happen. Play. uh Play. Play 15 here when she tells you about what kind of leadership she wants the Biden administration to appoint.
10: I believe that it's critically important that the Biden administration appoint progressive leaders, whether it's in labor, whether it's in, tre- in the Treasury, whether it's, you know, Secretary of Education, et cetera. Because the fact of the matter is, is that this isn't just about the progressive movement. This is about making sure that we're not just... Going back to how things were and rewinding the tape before the Trump administration. But this is about making sure how how are we going to not just make up for lost time, but leap into the future and actually ensure that we are making the investments and policy decisions that will create an advanced American society. And frankly, conservative uh, appointments will not get us there.
2: Do you think the Obama
0: left wing that's what a Biden administration will be? And you know that. I know that, but the whole game right now is pretending that something else is true. All right, let's get to Roll Call. Hit it.
1: Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. 11. It's time for Roll Call.
0: Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton to send us messages. Or if you want to email us, buck at iheartmedia.com. Or if you want to, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Instagram. Bucksexton on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram if you're not already. I'm going to be doing more videos in advance of the election there. I'll be putting them there. And good things, good things happen. Plus, you get the occasional Tallulah photo. Oh, and I got some news for all of you that I didn't get to share before. I probably should have shared it earlier in the show. I'm now an uncle for the first time. My little sister, Daisy, who is the most amazing little sister in the world, uh, just had, uh, and she's, you know, it's funny, she's like married and now having babies, but I still think of her as my little, my little sis. Uh, she just had her first child, a son. His name is Ryan, and we're very happy. We're very excited. Everything's going very well so far, and this, uh, Producer Mark, means... You know what this means, right? You are officially Uncle Buck. Congratulations. I am Uncle Buck. Yeah. I'm going to have to change the connotation of that name. I'm going to have to do some work here so that Uncle Buck... When someone's like, oh, you're like an Uncle Buck, it means you're like the cool, hip uncle that takes the young lad to do kind of fun manly stuff instead of the like fat 'er ne'er-do-well who makes pancakes out of trash and well i I don't even really remember uncle buck i just remember not somebody i want to be associated with necessarily
2: i just want to know when you became cool or hip either
0: one well i'm gonna have to become those things so that i can
1: uh you know
0: i can then be the cool you'll be the fun uncle Yeah, the fun uncle there. I'll be the fun uncle. I'll I'll work on that. But yeah, I got my uh, I got my pertussis shot so I can go over and see the baby. I haven't seen the baby yet. I haven't been over there because I got stuck with Tallulah, not stuck with. It's always fun. But I got the French Bulldog for the family. And so I'm I'm on dog patrol while my mom and dad and sister are all on baby patrol. So that's how this is going right now.
2: I think that's a smart way for the Sexton family.
0: Yeah. No, put me in charge of the canine. That's that I can handle the baby. I don't know. They're so small. Baby's like six pounds, eight ounces, I think, or something like that. You know, it's little. I've never even held a baby. I'm sorry? I've never held a baby. Really? Not once. I don't have any young cousins or anything, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go over and hold the baby soon. So anyway, I am Uncle Buck, everybody. It's very exciting. All right. Your thoughts now. Roll call. Wesley. Hey, Buck. Big fan here from Staunton, Virginia. Your back and forth with producer Mark reminds me of the dialogue I used to have with my own little brother who check my vehemence and occasional brash intensity with calming, balanced words and a few well-placed jabs to keep me humble. It's a great formula for balanced and endearing dialogue. And as you can tell, it invokes much nostalgia in my own heart every day when I listen to your show. Well, thank you, Wesley. I always consider myself to be a pretty liberal guy until pretty recently, I guess because with politics, like many other things, the most mainstream option often seems to be the safest and most sensible choice when viewed from afar. The combination of discovering your show coupled with the utterly hysteric, uh, utter hysteria, rather, of these lockdowns here in Virginia and leaving my job as a bartender to pursue a more meaningful career in commercial construction has converted me to one of your most outspoken and probably at the age of 26, one of your youngest wartime conservatives. I know I've lost some friends because of my views, but I refuse to be browbeaten into supporting a party that is as toxic and corrupt as the Democrats. I will be voting for Trump in November, something I never would have believed I would have ever said before, even just one year ago. Shields high. Well, Wesley, that is like a great testimonial top to bottom for us. Uh, You know, I feel like if we were putting out a brochure of the Buck Sexton show, we could pull pull your uh, your roll call here and use that. It's great to hear that you've uh, come over to our side uh, of, of thinking on these political issues. We're very, very pleased about that. And uh, welcome, and thank you for spreading the word about us. And Mark and I, uh, you know, we we put a lot of work into this. Mark is doing stuff all day, all the time, and I'm always I'm always saying, Mark, can you help with this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And as much as he may grumble on air about it sometimes to you guys as a joke, he always does it. Totally reliable. So you know, we're we're putting in a lot here to make this show what it is. And <laughs> I told you guys before about the CNN thirty person staff. Um, that's not what it is on radio. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mark. It's me. And then we have our partners at the first where we do video, and they help produce the video side of it. But radio, it's just, it's just Buck and Mark. That's what we do every day. That's the show. So, yeah. Uh, Glenette. Hey, Buck and producer, Mark. I work for an oil and gas company. I heard you talking last week about fracking and how it just uses water, sand, and small amounts of chemicals. So few people know what fracking really entails, but it has become this evil thing. Not only are the things you said correct, but a well is only fracked when it is being drilled, which is usually one to two days, a week at the most. The left would like you to think that the companies are exploding large areas underground or that fracking is done continuously. These are misconceptions they promote. Keep up the good work of bringing the truth to the public. I love listening to your show, especially your imitation, Shields High. Well, thank you, Glenette. Uh, we appreciate that very much. And thanks for bringing a little bit of expertise on the fracking issue. Yeah, fracking is a boogeyman that the left has created that really has very little to do with what actual fracking is. And all this stuff about how it's contaminating drinking water, this is, there's, there's no evidence of this, there's no proof of this. They were making documentaries 10 years ago about how the water, remember this, your, your, your well water was going to catch on fire from your tap because of fracking. All this stuff is, uh, it's, it's people that honestly lack real purpose in life, so they create these. These uh, fake challenges for them that, that where they where they get to be a hero, they don't risk anything and there's no real challenge to them, but they get to be a hero. And that's so much a part of the mentality here. It's a shame, but it's very real. It's going on all the time. Oh, that reminds me, uh, since since we said Shields High at the end here from Glenette, I found a new show over the weekend that I like. It's not great, but it's good. It's along the lines of the Last Kingdom. It's on Netflix. It is in German, so you got to have the subtitles, but it's called Barbarians. I think it's Barbaren in the uh, in the German, but it's uh, essentially the period in, where ancient Rome was trying to subdue some of the Germanic tribes and they do a, the the costumes and the the whole historical vibe is very good. Uh, the battlefield stuff, or at least the the fighting I've seen so far, is very well put together. Very high production value. I mean, I got to say, I so prefer if we're having Germanic tribes, I so prefer them speaking to each other in German and reading subtitles than, than the Germanic tribes, for no apparent reason, having fancy British accents. Oh, this is about, you know, AD 60 or so. And so everybody in this Germanic area has an accent sort of like this because it's history. And in history, people have British accents. No. They speak in German because they're a Germanic tribe. And guess what? The Romans speak Latin because they are Latin speakers. And it, it makes the whole, because I, I, I prefer this. It makes the whole experience better. I know you have to read subtitles, which I'm okay with. But to me, it just adds such a level of authenticity for a historical piece like this as opposed to what you have so much of the time where I, I just get sick of like, why not just have them speak in American accents if they're going to be speaking English, right? Well, why do we have to do the whole like, Oh, I'm British. Even though this is in German, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Do you know what I'm talking about, producer Mark? Yeah. When they do fake accents, even though they're
3: in a different country. Yeah. It's
0: weird. Right, well, they love to, They love to do this with shows where, where they'll have like the show will be set in ancient Rome and they'll have people who are the plebs who are, or who are slaves who are poor and they'll be like oh la i I sound like I'm a dock worker from you know the wrong side of london mate you know what i mean and it's like what this is this is mm. ancient rome it's for dramatic effect i guess it's not No for... i know but they the, this is this has become a thing where we we always expect that the british british class accents translate into whatever period of history and i'm like why don't I, I, I don't know. I just think it's weird. I, I guess we've all gotten used to but it. Does but does anyone I, I, truly know how they used to speak? Well, no, but exactly. but I know they didn't speak with a British accent in Germany in like the year AD 60. That I do know. Well, they sure. certainly weren't speaking English. Well, that, That's, yeah, for sure. of course. That's but uh, true. But I'm just saying if you're going to speak English so that people can understand it, you don't have subtitles, just like let the actors be actors, right? You don't need to do this fake English accent. So sometimes you have American actors playing... You know German barbarians in the first century A.D. putting on English accents. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> like, well, why are but, we doing
2: this? I mean, there's a lot of people like me. I'm not watching something with subtitles. I don't. I don't need to right. read if I'm watching TV. I, if subtitles I want to read, I'm going to read.
0: Yeah, I'm only a couple episodes in. It's good. Oh, and speaking of episodes, I got something else for you guys.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So I've been telling
0: you that we got some history podcasts coming, which fall under the description. We call them Shields High podcast. Dracula, the real Dracula, Vlad Chepes or Vlad Dracul. Uh, I'm sorry, Vlad Dracula or Vlad the Third. A lot of names, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, half done on that one. We're going to have it out by this Thursday. But I need you guys. This is going to be our test case. I need you. This is total. It's history, not politics, no talk of the election, nothing. This is our escape from that. But I'm going to release it in advance of Halloween, and I'm committing to that. I'm already halfway done with it. Probably uh, have it out to you Thursday. And so it'll be great listing for the Halloween weekend. It's an amazing story about the real Dracula. And, uh, you know, it'll be about a little less than an hour, I'd say, the whole podcast, maybe 40, 45 minutes. And I just I'm going to need I'm going to need the team to spread this one. I don't even care if someone likes politics. If they like history, I think they'll like this podcast. And then the numbers we get on this one will be the justification that I take to our bosses to continue the Shields High series, even beyond Malta, and do six or 12 episodes, probably six by the end of this year. Uh, that's the plan. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need the team to pass the buck on that one big time. The, the real Dracula, it's coming out. It'll be great. I'm already very pleased with the uh, half of it that we've already put down. All right. J.J. Uh, greetings again from the People's Republic of California, Buck and producer Mark. So I thought a lot about what you said about mass noncompliance with wearing masks. And I decided to try an experiment. I started by not wearing my mask properly at the grocery store. No one said anything. Then I stopped wearing my mask when picking up drive through. Not once was I denied service or asked to put on my mask. Now, either I've been extremely lucky or people are ready to be done with masks as I am. You know, JJ, one thing I've noticed is that if you walk around with a mask pulled down, so like your nose is exposed or even your mouth, people have no problem with that. Uh, They just figure you're one of the good people who's a mask person and maybe you're making a mistake, but no, no issue uh, because this is all very political. I, I don't know. I can't tell you that people in California are really that tired of it. I feel like in New York, people aren't tired of it. They they they've been completely programmed into thinking that this is necessary and that this is really what has to happen in order for us to beat the virus. And it's just not going to happen, folks. But that's what we keep getting told. Mike. Hey, Buck, as the election approaches, I can't help but think of the, ele- the results no matter who ends up winning. Whenever that may be, if our guy wins, my question is this. Do you think blue states, mine being Massachusetts and the left, will inflict more stringent res- restrictions and shutdowns as punishment? We know the left acts like petulant children. Keep fighting the good fight. Shields high. Uh, Mike. Yes. The answer is yes. Out of sheer spite, Democrat states will lock down to an insane degree if Trump wins just because they're going to be so emotionally disturbed by it. They're going to want to make all of us miserable, too. That's the show for today, team. More coming up tomorrow. Shields high.